We're going to look uh, at uh, the Gospel of John, um, and the Apostle John was a disciple of Jesus, um, and um, his Gospel is said to be written around 85 to 90 AD, and the purpose uh, for John's writing is, as John puts it, that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And the heart of John's discourse is not uh, to present a chronological narrative of Jesus' life, but rather it displays the person of Jesus and his deity. Essentially, John emphasizes Jesus as fully man and fully God. However, um, in the first chapter, um, John introduces Jesus not from his birth, but from the beginning, before creation. And you'll find this gospel, um, you know, in this gospel, you'll find certain words or phrases um, or reoccurring themes like I am and love, believe, witness, comforter, and dualisms like life and death, light and darkness. And when you get around to studying it, uh, you'll find that this Gospel of John has a more theological and spiritual aspect to it. However, today we're going to look, as I mentioned earlier, at discipleship and what that looks like for us as a church here at Culver. And the word disciple simply means follower or learner. And when Jesus called those first and early disciples to follow him and learn of his ways, he was calling them to radically change their lives, to turn away from captivity within their own interests and worldly gains, within their own self-indulgence. So in other words, Jesus is offering discipleship and freedom from those things to those who believe in him. And there are many references in, uh, to discipleship in the New Testament, but we're just going to concentrate on uh, a couple of verses in our text uh, for today. Now, Jesus is talking uh, to a group of Jews, some of who were Pharisees and leaders of the law at that time. So let's just take a look at the text. Um, it comes from John chapter 8, and it's in your blue Bibles, page 1074. So John chapter 8, um, verses 31 to 32. Um, if you can't read the small print, it is coming up on uh, the screen. John chapter 8, verses 31 to 32 in your blue Bibles. It says this. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
So Jesus here um, was talking to many of the Jews there at that time that believed in him. But subsequently, if you read further into the chapter, which we won't have time to go into, into this section of scripture, the Jews questioned Jesus, saying, well, hang on a minute, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? You see, the Jews had belief, but they weren't prepared to fully trust in what Jesus was actually saying. And this is because they didn't fully understand Jesus, partly. Furthermore, they were caught up in their own inhibitions. They thought they knew better. How many of us think we know better than Jesus? And when you have a moment, you can read the following um, verses that highlight this discourse. But let's just go back to verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. You see, if we're going to be Jesus' disciples, it is vital what Jesus is saying here is that we abide in his word. It is vital that we abide in his word and hold on to his teaching. And to be a follower of Jesus is to dwell in that word, to live out that word according to God's will and purpose for our lives. Then in verse 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's no mincing of words here. He's not coming in and saying this is a lie. He's saying the truth will set you free. And this is indeed the result of abiding in God's word. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14 says this, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Friends, we prove ourselves to be disciples of Jesus when we live out his truth. The fruits of Jesus and his identity lives in us despite our failures and mistakes. And we all recognise that in one another. We all recognise the identity of Jesus living in us by his spirit. And the truth that Jesus brings through his word is so powerful that it sets us free from the things that are harmful to us. Those things that damage our lives and they keep us captive. Nonetheless, the truth that Jesus speaks of here isn't just from an intellectual point. Rather, when we abide in the word that God has given us, we carry this truth in our hearts. You see, the, uh, you see John puts, uh, uh, points to Jesus as the absolute truth. No money can buy it. No works can earn it. Ultimately, nothing 
can match it. So by definition, a disciple is a follower of Christ, right? So we establish that. Moreover, is a disciple is someone who accepts the teachings of Jesus. You may be a follower, but if you don't accept the teachings of Jesus, you're going the wrong way. Someone who accepts and applies those teachings into their lives. And then, of course, in the assistance of spreading the good news of Jesus. So essentially, Christian discipleship is the process by which followers of Jesus live in the word and knowledge of him. And all disciples of Jesus, they are equipped by the Holy Spirit. We know this, many of us. And that Holy Spirit that resides in us as that person guides us and directs our lives, helps us as followers of Jesus to overcome the trials and the pressures of life. Moreover, this enables believers to respond to God's word, to be more Christ-like, to be more Christ-like. In other words, personal spiritual growth in Jesus will always bear good fruit. Always. Personal spiritual growth in Jesus will always bear good fruit. Some of us may be thinking, well, I've just looked at my life this week and where's the good fruit? Where's the fruit of Jesus in some of the mess of this week? Jesus doesn't leave us in the mess. He goes with us. He goes with us. You see, a disciple of Christ needs to focus on how to please Jesus in every area of their lives. To put off self-centeredness and put on Christ-centeredness. Let's take our eyes off of us and let's point to Christ. He is the only way. He is the only truth that can deliver us from those things that damage us from being inwardly looking and doing the things that we want to do. And the fundamental aspect of discipleship, there's one word that came to me this week, obedience. If we don't obey Christ and his teachings, we fail as his disciples. We need to keep to his commands in obedience. Keeping to those commands, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Maybe not all of them at the same time, but they'll be evident to others. Not just 
to each other as believers as we celebrate God each week and into those ministries in the week, but to those outside of the church. Friends, a true disciple of Jesus puts Jesus first in all things. A true disciple follows the teachings of Jesus. A true disciple then bears fruit, and a true disciple loves other disciples. But I want to come back to, and I've just added this because it's just come to me. Love doesn't come without, and I've said this before, without discipline. Okay? If you're going to discipline your children, you do it out of love. And it's the same with God's church. He is just and he is the God that presides over his church, that gives us the discipline we need to steer clear of the things that damage our lives. Okay? Love always has discipline. God would not be loving if he didn't discipline us. Right? That's what we need to hold on to. And in the same way, when we are loving each other, we must come to each other and say, if you're not doing something right and in the spirit, come to each other and admonish each other in love. Okay? Because that's what Christ teaches us. We admonish one another. Not out of hatred, not out of malice, not out of slander, denigratory or pejorative terms. We come and we celebrate God and his love because we love each other in Christ as Christ commanded us. That is true discipleship. The heart of God. And because we'll do that to one another, yeah, we'll keep each other on our toes with Jesus at the helm. That's what for his people. This isn't a self-interested, self-sufficient, self-indulgent church. This church belongs to God. And that is what we look to whether you're a pastor or whether you're just a beginner and a follower of Jesus. So I want to come back to this. Aside from coming to church on a Sunday morning, how do you nurture your faith? What do you do during the week. Because worship to God, as we prayed about earlier, is every day. Every single day. And in order to grow as disciples, we need to nurture our faith. And we need to nurture the truth that is already in us. But we need to nurture it continuously. I wonder what you do during the week, in your prayer life and in your journey with Scripture.
and I came to it last, okay, a few weeks ago, didn't I? If you're not in one already, um, I want us really to be encouraged to be in a life group, a discipleship group or a house group, whatever you call it. And I know some of you are in a life group at the moment and are attending one. Hudson and Pat, I know they lead one. I know also that that group is full. Um, you know, I did a module uh, one time on group dynamics. Six is the apt number. Six. And there are various reasons for it. Um, and I've got a book at home uh, that I can uh, share with you on that because it's really important that we keep uh, group dynamics to around six uh, if we can. But it's really good because then it stops the introverts from being so introverted. And extroverts, right? Those of us who like to talk, right? Who likes to talk? <laughs> if you like to talk, it can be off-putting to some people. So, but, but ultimately, God presides in those life groups. So what we'll do is we'll pray. We've been praying, haven't we, and thinking about life groups. Shall we go? Have, do we have time? Do we have the resource? Do we, do we have uh, the urge to be in one? Okay, because again, this isn't about this isn't about having to be in a life. This is nothing is compulsory with God. Just remember that. Okay, our giving hearts for what we give comes out of love for God, not of compulsion. Nothing we do is 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 done under uh, compulsion or reluctancy. So if you've been thinking about that, then I encourage you to join and consider being part of one because they are hugely beneficial to the believer life groups. Amongst other things, you develop an intimacy with God. You build friendships and form bonds with other like-minded believers even though you disagree. You might throw things at each other, but God still loves you in your group. You grow in your faith and your prayer life. You may step out of your comfort zone. I've seen it happen in life groups where they say, do you know what, today we're going to go litter picking today. We're going to be a light in the community to pick up and clean up our streets. We're going to go and do something for our community this week. It's amazing what life groups and what God does in life groups when he gels those people in the spirit and unites them. And he comes and he says, how can you be a light in your community? Not everyone's an evangelist. Some are called to evangelize. And out of life groups, I have seen people evangelize. Wonderful, wonderful. And of course, you encourage and build one another up in life groups. And that is something that God requires us as a church. But I want to go outside from a Sunday and see where we can be built up. Some of you are already doing it, so I've, I just feel that if you know Pat and Hudson, then, then ask them about life groups and what that means to them. Because they will tell you it's 
it's pretty amazing to be in one. So, do you remember I gave out these, I made these fridge magnets, you remember, right? So I got, I mean, it took me ages, I'm like, my goodness, craft takes ages, doesn't it? Anyway, they're fridge magnets. Did anyone not get one? This, can I, can I give you one out? Yes, just raise your hand. If you haven't got one and you want one for your fridge, it's a fridge magnet. It'll save you going, it'll save you going to Stanmore Beach and getting one from the souvenir shop. Did you get the rest of the year? Everyone else had one, yeah? Yeah, okay, great. Um, I'll leave them up here um, so you can examine my artwork, which is not very good, <laughs> right? Um, so here we have a sign-up sheet. So what I've done is I've just created literally, the sign-up sheet is, a, is just, to, just to give us an indication of, of how many people would like to join a life group, what day it's got on there, so you just put your name and telephone number, what day suits you best, daytime or evening, what suitable time you can have uh, that will be available. Usually life groups, Pat and Hudson, how, how, often, how long is your life group sometimes? You like, does it last about an hour, a couple of, hour and a half, hour, hour and a half. So if you can spare an hour, hour and a half, so a suitable time around that. If you're able to host, that is, uh, you know, if you want people to come uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, you can be a host in your house. Are you able to lead one? If not, we will provide resources to help you. So there'll be easy books to follow. I'll leave that on the, uh, on the desk over there by the coffee. Um, and if you'd like to sign up to a life group, then please do, because it will be a blessing to you. They always have been. Um, you know, you support each other as well in that. Are you the disciple that Jesus wants you to be? Are we the disciples that Jesus wants us to be? Because this church needs God. And we are here to be those instruments for him. And as we grow in our faith together, as we grow in our discipleship group, we unite in Christ and we'll bring this church to fruition. That's what God wants for his church. He wants fruition. And he'll bring that forth in our obedience and through our obedience. And humility, but understanding that there is a God that wants his church to continue to flourish despite despite the bad stuff that may be happening. So let's pray, because this is continuing with our worship now, and we're just going to just pray um, that, God, you are all-knowing and all-powerful. You are the master of everything. Lord, help us as your disciples to follow 
you, follow you in every thought and every word and deed. Give us the heart of that obedience that is required and erase those doubts so that, Lord, we will make those right choices in life. Nurture us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit that we'll make those right decisions and that we will recognise your good and perfect will for us. Father God, we long to be your disciples, to be living out in truth of your words that is given to us. Help us not just to study your words on a Sunday, but Lord, in the week that we go about our lives. And Lord, we know that sometimes we are weak and we are vulnerable. Sometimes things aren't what they seem. But Lord, we ask that you will give us strength to carry on and persevere, Lord, in your good works. In Jesus' name, amen.